giving you full disclosure. This is The Debriefer. Hello, I'm Donna Ballman. I'm a lawyer here in sunny South Florida and author of The Writer's Guide to the Courtroom and my latest book, Stand Up for Yourself Without Getting Fired. Here with Peter Cox, London literary agent extraordinaire. Ta-da! We're we'll back! Be- we're back! <laughs> we're back! We'll be discussing major legal issues and the headlines that impact the writing and publishing business. This week, we'll be talking about the verdict in the Apple ebook lawsuit yeah. and how it will affect authors, a costly pseudonym leak, a Harry Potter Potter stalker, and why you'd be out of luck if you search for the vagina monologues in iTunes. Constantly Plus, looking for that. I haven't found it at all. <laughs> I knew it was yes, you. It was me. Plus, we'll be updating you on some stories we've covered in the past. Welcome to the debriefer after a long hiatus. Did you miss those listeners? Hopefully. Uh, so, so, you know, Peter, what, we, yeah, we, we go, go on hiatus for the summer, expecting a slow news yes. time. And what happened? Almost the day, the day we went on holiday. You went on holiday. I've been working my little tootsie off here actually hopefully going to have a few days off in september but for some reason august for me is always very busy um yeah the uh, the verdict came back and it was not what we expected but to be fair it was not what most of the publishing world expected either i was shocked i was really shocked well we yeah. should talk about the verdict it's the um at the, the lawsuit uh, by the u.s justice department against apple and there were a bunch of publishers involved all the publishers settled which now is causing problems but which we'll discuss but it was just apple and it was an antitrust lawsuit about their agency pricing on ebooks mm-hmm. and if everybody remembers way back when Amazon was becoming uh, a monopoly on ebooks because they were pricing them very low, people were snapping them up. Publishers are very upset, and so they said, "What can we do?" And Apple cut a deal with them. They said, well, "You can do your own pricing on our iBook store," and um, so they did an agency relationship where it wasn't Apple setting the pricing; it was the publishers. Yeah. And the Department of Justice freaked out and said, "That's an antitrust violation." Well, the judge said, "Yes, that's an antitrust violation," and it seems like the verdict was based mostly on the fact that, in fact, the discussion with the publishers were how do we raise these ebook prices back to a price that we can live with yeah. and so once they're talking about a basically a conspiracy to raise ebook prices well they said that was antitrust but it's not over i mean first of all apple says they're going to appeal but but secondly the publishers are back in the fray now because what's happening is the justice department is is talking with the judge about sanctions against apple mm. and one of the sanctions is that the government wants to impose um, uh, on on Apple some restrictions on their ebook store, including their ability to do these agency deals. Well, when the publishers settled, the the US Justice Department said, "Oh, you can do agency deals, but it has to be done a certain way." So the publishers all did these agency deals with with Apple, thinking that okay, we're done. But now the the Justice Department is saying that the very agency deals that the book the the publishers cut with Apple under its approval aren't going to be allowed. So the publishers, what the hell? We thought we were done. We thought we had a deal, and now you're going back on it. Yeah, it's um, you know, I mean, it, it, it's a confusing set of cases for many people. Let's try and reduce it to the basics. And in other words, what does it mean to a the reader and b the author? Poor old author. Um, yeah, and the I don't think author is screwed as always. Yes, it's not good news for the author actually, because agency pricing really was it was a way 
for publishers to try to maintain what they thought was a reasonable price for ebooks. Now, the problem is that ebooks are so new that the consumer, the reader, doesn't have an idea in their head as to how much they should pay. So, you, you know, if, you, if you're used to buying hardbacks, you go into a bookstore, if you can find one. You go into a bookstore and you say to yourself, oh, it's $20, that's reasonable. Oh, it's discounted down to 15 that's good value. I'll buy that hardback for $15. Same thing with paperback. You've got a vague idea in your head. Uh, in the UK, paperback should be, I don't know, £5.99, 6 99 something like that. Any more than that, it's a bit expensive. Any cheaper than that, on sale, it's good value. People do not have that sort of perception yet. And I'm wondering if they ever will, actually, as far as ebooks are concerned. And the big problem is that we expect almost everything on the net to be free. So, you That's know, you right. download an ebook. What is it? Do you have physical possession of it? No, you don't. It's just a, a load of electrons downloaded onto your iPad or something. So, how much should you pay for that? And that is the problem. Amazon have come out of this so incredibly well. Amazon are the company that, in private, publishers will say to you they hate. They really don't like Amazon. Why is that? Well, one of the reasons is that Amazon is by far and away the biggest customer for every publisher. And I mean by far and away. Publishers will admit to you again in, in private that 80% or more, possibly more like 90% of all their digital goods are sold to one company. And that company is Amazon. And you can see that by virtue of, you know, having this sort of quasi-monopolistic position, Amazon could, if they wanted to, kick publishers all over the place from here until next Tuesday. So publishers don't like that. It's not a situation they, they've ever been used to before. Um, they don't really know how to respond, so the agency pricing system was one way of doing it. All the, the publishers folded. They, they paid out, I don't know, on average, about $100 million or so in compensation. And they all thought that that would be more or less the end of it, that, Amazon, that, that Apple, dear old Apple, uh, the sort of white knight, and I don't think they are such a white knight, actually. I think they're just another big company trying to make as much money as they can. But they, you know, white knight riding over the horizon to the rescue, agency pricing and so on will be fine. And now... It's all collapsing in front of us. Very bad news. If you look at the average price of the ebook, it seems to decline month after month after month. Now it's it's hovering under seven dollars, and an awful lot of ebooks are sold for a lot less than that. And the big problem is how can authors make money out of that? And they can't. That's the, that's the problem. They can't. And and here's the the thing is that the Department of Justice says, okay, well, this is good for consumers because we're returning price competition. Yeah. But what's happening in reality is that Amazon is becoming a monopoly. And, and we're going to talk in a minute about the consequences of that, which are negative also for consumers. But right now, what, what's happening is Amazon is becoming a monopoly and the Department of Justice is imposing restrictions or trying to impose restrictions that are actually going to reduce price competition. They're going to interfere with Apple's ability to compete with with Amazon at all, and it's going it's going to affect the deals that publishers have already cut with Amazon under their settlement agreements. I've got to say this so is it, staggering. It's, a big it's, it's absolutely yeah. staggering. I mean, are are they really not aware of the market conditions that they are trying to legislate for? I mean, it just seems to me really strange that no one from the Department of Justice has said what's it actually like. 
out there in the real world for obviously for consumers but also for authors what's it like how hard is it i like this is not a diatribe against amazon in many ways i respect amazon and i as a consumer i think they offer a fantastic product and service but as you say when any company gets to that vast size and let's face it if you want to sell ebooks amazon really is pretty close to being the only serious game in town you know when you get to that situation Obviously, abuses can happen, and they will. They will, and and the problem is the author is stuck in the middle, as always. So we've got publishers trying to figure this out, and and they're they're talking about a, the, the Justice Department is talking about a five year prohibition on new ebook distribution contracts that would have these agency relationships. They're also talking about having a two year period that uh, rival ebook sellers would have uh, to sell books to Apple users via ebooks apps that are distributed without being having to pay that. 30% fee that Apple charges. I mean, there's all kinds of things. I mean, but, but what they're going to do is they're going to hamstring Apple. Um, they're going to hamstring the publishers and, and authors are going to be really messed up on this. And then this is what's happening. Um, what happens? Amazon has, has cornered some of the, you know, some of the small publishers, ebooks and their, and some of the textbooks that are out there. Um, and you can't find some of these books in bookstores. So what are they doing? They're raising prices. And when did they do it? Right after this verdict. And it's wow. shocking wow. how quickly they they started acting like a monopoly. I've got to say, this is normal. This is normal. I mean, you know, you, you see this happening in, in every kind of industry. Once a company gets to a dominant position, usually by enormous amounts of discounting, they have very, very deep pockets, or maybe their shareholders do. They establish themselves as the only game in town, the only place you can go to, the consumer can go to get certain things. At that point, when they do have a monopoly, of course, the prices go up. That's really just a basic law of economics. I mean, it is happening um, in in our business. It happens in every business. That is what's wrong with monopolies. So, one of the stories that, that we've, we're linking to is is the Authors Guild is reporting this fact that, that um, Amazon is actually raising prices now. So, the whole argument is, oh, this competition is good for consumers, but but the competition is not being allowed to happen. So, Amazon is, is being allowed to do some fairly predatory pricing on some of these books and and when everybody goes out of the market, then what happens? The prices go up. So that's exactly what's happening now. So authors stuck in the middle, as always. You know what, uh, what I think? I think that this ultimately, this is, well, there are lots of failures in this very sad, sorry story. But actually, I think one of the key failures is that the publishing business did not recognize the importance of political lobbying. Because ultimately, all these decisions do have a political basis. If they don't have a profile in Washington, if they're not speaking to the congressmen and the senators and explaining this, their situation constantly, as most other businesses do do, then they are not going to get favorable treatment. Well, I think, think that's right. I mean, they, they, they've handled it. Uh, very amateurishly. I, I think that members of Congress don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Now, let's talk about an author who's not having devastating financial problems and who is probably the most litigious author we talk about. She is. She is pretty litigious. Uh, <laughs> and any idea, listener, who that might be? 
Well, if if you've been listening to us, you know that one of the most frequently litigating authors around is J.K. Rowling. Writes very sweet books and then litigates the heck out of uh, anybody who crosses her. So who would you not want to cross even accidentally? J.K. Rowling. <laughs> and what happened, again, over our supposedly quiet summer was one of really the biggest legal things that, that that I've seen in a long time happen, which is it's just a bizarre story. J.K. Rowling was writing under a pseudonym. Uh, she wrote a book called The Cuckoo's Calling, and it was published under the pseudonym Robert Galbraith, and it was actually doing quite well um, on its own, and her, her lawyer, her lawyer yeah. leaked leaked it. He mentioned it to his wife's friend, and what does his wife's friend do? Big friend, she tweets it! Well, <laughs> she tweets it, and of course it's out. So of course the book immediately shoots to the bestseller lists and, and everything. And and so and thanks for shooting her book up to the bestseller list. She sues. <laughs> Not yeah, a big I, surprise. I, say, I thought, along with a lot of other people, I think uh, you know, I mean, dark mutterings in the publishing business when this happened. I thought, oh, this is just another publicity stunt. But I don't think it is. <laughs> I think she's genu- genuinely pissed off. That um, I was. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I understand. <laughs> Listen, she's, you know, her the book that she came came out with initially that was out of her original genre was, you know, dissed all over the place. And, and her theory was that I'm a good writer. I know I am. And so let's see if people don't know who it is, what they say about my book. And in fact, they were saying great things about her book. She was winning some awards and stuff like that. So to, I think she wanted the satisfaction of knowing that she could write a book that would be well received even yeah, but, but it was this is the thing this is this is the interesting thing because this does happen quite regularly you know you get a famous author and they think that uh, Stephen King I think has done it you get a famous author and they think ah oh, I want to create a new persona and just for fun I'll submit this this manuscript to a few publishers and see what see what the buggers say and quite often um, it's rejected now Orion a uh, publishing company here in the UK part of a chat um, were sent this manuscript, The Cuckoo's Calling, and the uh, the fiction editor there said they couldn't see a USP for it, a unique selling proposition, um, and it would be really hard to make it in quite a tough market. Um, so, you know, I mean, everyone is now thinking, oh, silly person at Orion, um, same person as the, uh, the guy at the EMI who probably died, you know, might be alive still, but, you know, died of the head and shame who, who turned down the Beatles. But actually, if you look at the sales figures... From the point that the book was published until J.K. Rowling was revealed as the author, it only sold 1,500 copies. It was actually languishing at position 4,709 in Amazon's charts until mm-hmm. her identity was revealed. So actually, that fiction editor, Orion, actually got it right. It wasn't, you know, it, it, she said it wasn't such a great novel, really. Now, if she'd have well, won by J.K. Some, Rowling... it did win some awards, though. You know, and now the question that I have about this this lawsuit is, what are her damages? She made money. Yeah, she, made money. she made money. She made money. So yes. what are her damages? But yes. it 
settled speedy quick. It's her lawyer, for God's yeah. sake. He, of course, he had to settle. So it settled speedy quick. They donated money to charity, and she said that um, uh, the book's proceeds for are, are also going to go to charity, a soldier's charity. So you know, it, it worked out well for the charity, and it worked out well for J.K. Rowling. You know what? I'm not sure it has done because if, if I was managing J.K. Rowling, I would be saying to her now, "Look, okay, Harry Potter, fine." done and dusted let's move on shall we should we do something new or do you want to forever be languishing you know under the jake uh, under the harry potter mantle and she's obviously trying to do that she wants to write other books too now i don't think that this is actually a positive step forward as far as her career is concerned because if you think about it you know she's litigated again people don't like authors i mean especially fabulously wealthy authors who probably are by now well out of touch with the, the average Joe or Joan. And she keeps going to court. Now, I'm I, surprised she even had to go to court. I would think the lawyer yeah, and she could have yeah. had a conversation. I mean, this ha- the, yeah. she sued within days yeah. of this happening. I was really surprised how fast it happened. Does this move her on in her career? What I mean, what you say, J.K. Rowling, now, what do I think of? I think of Harry Potter and I think of lawsuits. I don't think of, I don't think of anyone else who's who's got a, a strong, new, vibrant career. I certainly don't think of anyone who, whose books I particularly want to read. Actually, um, so I think she's at best spinning her wheels on this and possibly, possibly hurting her own image in the in the eyes of her readers. Not that that's going to do much commercial damage to her, really. But just thinking about her, you know, as as a creative person. I think maybe, J.K., you should spend a little more time writing, a little bit less time in court. Just a suggestion. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure why she's so litigious. I understand she wants to protect her reputation and her her trademarks and all that, but but maybe things could be done a little more quietly sometimes. And, and, and the, the speed at which the lawsuit was filed says to me maybe publicity stunt. I don't know. I, the whole thing was very weird. It was, it was very weird. It was an odd story. Now, speaking of odd stories. We have a Harry Potter story that has nothing to do with J.K. Rowling, but another Harry Potter author, which is a... This is the vagina story. No, this is not the vagina story. You're very excited about the vagina story. (laughs) Gotta wait for that. (laughs) No, no, no. This is a a Harry Potter author. She wrote uh, Harry a History, and she has a stalker. Uh, There's a woman who is accused of threatening (laughs) to slit her throat. God. Got a, a tattoo of of the authors. The the author of Harry a History. Ha, this woman tattooed this author, not J.K. Rowling's face, but that author's face on her body. Oh, and, and apparently, the whole thing started when we. I mean, we know about you know how, uh, website trolls from you know Latopia. Not that that ever would occur, but <laughs> no. <laughs> but this was a website that it was a fan website and this woman was writing abusive and violent posts well, about totally Emma weird. Watson. Totally weird. And so she got banned from this website, which is the Leaky Cauldron. It was a fan website. And she freaks out and becomes a stalker and it's just a very strange story so you know here's an author that writes about another famous author and um, she has a stalker uh, they're a bunch of weirdos actually I mean I, okay you grew up with Harry Potter fine you know move on that was a long time ago you know I mean I, honestly 
This is seriously disturbing stuff. I'm also surprised that Melissa, um, the the victim, didn't get sued <laughs> by J.K. Rowling. Actually, yeah. no, she published this book, Harrier History, and actually J.K. Rowling wrote the introduction. So yeah. you know, either J.K. Rowling is going to be super nice to you and write introduction to um, what is obviously going to be a bestseller, or she's going to sue you. It's pretty weird stuff, this. I wouldn't like to get... Um, these are deep waters. I don't want to get involved with these people. They're all weird. Well, you know, this is this is the frightening part about being famous, e- even on the level of, you know, writing a, uh, a book about another book. Uh, you can end up maybe with a those, Maybe those religious fundamentalists fan. are right. Maybe Harry Potter fans basically are all a bunch of Satanists. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> I'm a Harry Potter fan, and I am not a Satanist, so no, I don't think so. But, you know, it is an odd, odd story. Now, Peter, we're going to your favorite story, oh, which I is the, <laughs> the vagina <laughs> story. Yes, I've been looking I, all over iTunes for this. Why can't I find it? What in the hell is going on with iTunes? I don't know. Apple is having a strange, strange month. <laughs> if you search vagina on iTunes while you're looking for the vagina monologues, you're not going to find it because they're spelling vagina as V, you know, asterisk, 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 A. Uh, huh, they're censoring <laughs> the word vagina from the vagina monologues Excellent. on iTunes. Excellent. Good. <laughs> well, Apple have always been you know, squeaky clean, haven't they, actually? <laughs> you know, they have been. And, they, and, you know, this is obviously some sort of automated you know, censorship thing, which I suppose you can kind of understand, but they are very, uh, very careful about what um, apps and things that they accept and that they refuse. But, you know, if they have accepted this, then it seems a bit strange. They should be censoring the word. I mean, this is, this is, where are we now? Are we in Saudi Arabia? No? Well, it's kind of like Saudi Arabia, isn't it? It's bizarre. Well, and what's funny is they didn't cross it out of the cover. They haven't put a like a bar over the cover, so you can see the word vagina when you pull up the books. But if wait. you try to search for it, you can't <laughs> find it. So it's time for what, what is it? Yeah, even the author of the vagina monologues clearly needs to take a uh, a leaf out of the Harry Potter uh, playbook and soon. Yes, I don't know. I I, I understand there. Their, their position wanting to keep the the bookstore clean but come on i mean if it's a if it's a legitimate title don't blank out the title let people find it um i, I, I don't know I, i'm against censorship in general if you're going to take the book then let people buy the book uh, or or just don't take it say we don't think it's appropriate but that would be silly too because it's the vagina monologues guys get over it it's a word it's a body part um if it was a penis monologues i'm sure they wouldn't be blanking it wow. out so i, I don't know why I don't think why? I would be buying it then. It would, f- it would find a certain market, but I wouldn't. Why? <laughs> I, find, I find the idea a... of a talking penis really strange, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not, not very, oh, not very attractive. vagina is not weird. No, of course not. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, just just sell the freaking book and get over it. We've got another lawsuit here. Now, we we talked in the past about the estate of J.R.R. Tolkien, who was going after Warner Brothers, saying that the studio and the the Lord of the Rings producer never had the rights to license characters for slot machines and online games. And they lost that bid. And now... Warner Brothers and the producer are suing the, <laughs> the state of Tolkien, and the judge has refused to dismiss that claim. and And the lawsuit is basically saying that they cost the the 
the companies millions of dollars in licensing fees by holding up these slot machines and online games. Oh, so. Wow. We will be talking more about litigation uh, among the various uh, Hobbit people. And we have another very strange story (laughs) that we covered about a dentist. I don't I know. This, I, love people, I don't know. This summer has been so strange. And these stories, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Like weekly world news is still going, actually. Um, yeah, this is the uh, the the dentist who a uh, very good looking lady, opera singer. So you know, you go for a I don't know root canal, and you end up with um, a root canaletto. No, that's that's actually painting. Didn't quite work, but you know, you can see where I'm going with that. Another minute or two, and I've got it right. Um, and. She was advised by some firm whose name I can't remember that this is the way to make sure that none of your patients give you a bad review. And bear in mind the importance of reviews now. I mean, you know, all these travel sites, hotel accommodation, restaurants, you name it, all the review sites are out there on the internet. And they they are, it's, I mean, trolling is a big problem. So if you're an unscrupulous restaurant owner, you own restaurant A, you don't like restaurant B, maybe they've done something to upset you, maybe they're taking all your customers, maybe they've stolen your head chef. You go online, you find all the review sites, and you give them absolutely lousy, stinking reviews to try and you know, push them down to the bottom of the pile. So it's a problem. It's a problem. And actually, all this sock puppet business on Amazon is a problem too, and we have discussed that in the past, but let's not get sidetracked. So... I think that's too late. <laughs> oh, it probably is, probably is. So this dentist was advised to make patients sign a contract. And why are we talking about a dentist? Because the contract was predicated on copyright. So if you did write a review of this particular dentist, you had already signed a contract giving her the copyright of that review. So she could theoretically at least go to whichever re- review website it was and say, I own that review, take it down. That was the theory. However, Donna, in practice... She got sued. She got <laughs> sued. the contract. Yes. Uh, uh, this is funny. This, this customer uh, posted a review and he said, uh, it was a one-star Yelp review. He says, avoid at all costs. Scamming their customers overcharged me by about $4,000 for what should have been only a couple hundred dollar procedure. So, of course, you know, they, she, she, they send a takedown notice and they, and, and they got, she got sued. Yeah. And, and here's the weird part. As if, as if having a copyright on review, on reviews of your own product isn't weird enough or trying to. She's disappeared. <laughs> She's, She's She's gone rogue or yeah. something. She 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 won't defend the lawsuit. Her her lawyers have asked to withdraw from the case, and they can't find her. So I, mean, I don't know what's happening. If the lawyer from the case, I mean, usually in my experience, that means that they haven't been paid, doesn't it? Well, you know, I mean, it would actually be mandatory withdrawal if you've lost track of your client. Because oh, really? how are you going to represent them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you, if they won't respond and you can't, um, you can't represent them. So yeah. they they would have to withdraw. I mean, even if they have been um, paid. Mm-hmm. So so the whole, you know, uh, we're not going to see an interesting lawsuit or an interesting um, opinion probably about copyright because it sounds like it's just going to end up being a default judgment, yeah. uh, which is a shame. But I, I think that you know, listen, nice, nice try. It was a creative way to try to avoid bad reviews. Can you yeah. imagine 
authors uh, having uh, is part of one of those little long um, ebook. Con- oh yes, you, you purchase this ebook and those those little contracts online that people don't don't <gasps> read. And, uh, sure, click terms of use. Yeah. And the terms of use is that we own the copyright for any reviews you yeah. do of our book. <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice try. And if you you get married first night, first night with your wife, previous no chance. I mean, you could write anything into into these contracts, really. (laughs) I know, and no one reads them. So you know, all I have to say is nice try. It was it was bizarre, but but the fact that she's disappeared is even more bizarre. I don't understand what's happening. It's been a strange summer. Um, We we also have a dismissal of a lawsuit we talked about. There was a lawsuit. Uh, by the Faulkner heirs claiming that Woody Allen's 2011 film Midnight in Paris mm. improperly used one of Faulkner's most famous lines, um, a line from the book Requiem from a Nun, and the line was, the past is never dead, it's not even past. And in the movie, uh, Owen Wilson says the past is not dead, actually it's not even past. You know who said that? Faulkner! And he was right, I met him too, I ran into him at a dinner party, and Woody Allen's People got sued for that. I was really surprised about that because it's such a short uh, line, it's such a short quote. And, you know, I mean, this whole question of when is something big enough to justify copyright is, 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 is quite difficult to define. Um, the poems, for example, are very short things, but, I mean, obviously one of the things we talked about quite recently was, was Happy Birthday. That's incredibly yes. short, very, very repetitive, but it is, it is asserted that copyright exists in that. But just this, you know, just this one line? I, I, well, I'm, and I'm the judge puzzled. said this. So here's the decision. We, we said it was going to go this way. I, I think the judge is absolutely right. He said, at issue in this case is whether a single line from a full-length novel, mm. singly paraphrased and attributed to the original author mm. in a full-length Hollywood film, yeah. can be considered a copyright infringement. In this case, it cannot. No. And of good. course, it good. can't. I mean, good no. heavens. What are people thinking? I don't know what's going on. That was a very strange lawsuit. I, I don't love know that movie. Why. Did you see that movie? Uh, no. It's Absolutely gorgeous. Really returned to form by Woody Allen. I would really? will, willingly go and see it again. Really, really sweet movie. Yeah. Everyone absolutely in top, tip top acting order. And uh, yeah, he's just come out with a new one as well, hasn't he? Um, I think it's, is it San Francisco? On, on the strength of Midnight in Paris, I'll definitely go and see his next yeah. one. Well, uh, we've always been Woody Allen fans and just a little bit behind on uh, watching his film, so we'll have to go see that. And I'm, I'm glad they lost that lawsuit. It was silly. Yeah. And hopefully we won't have to report any more of it. Hopefully they'll come to their senses and not appeal or do uh, any more litigation on such a silly issue. Well, that's all for this edition of The Debriefer. If you have questions about using the law in writing or a story you want us to cover, don't forget to tell me about it in the comment section on the Radio Latopia website. So, join us again in six weeks for more about writing and the law. Six weeks? Oh, two weeks. Excuse me. <laughs> Six I, thought, weeks. I thought you were Two weeks. a vacation. Two, Two weeks. Two weeks. That's what happens when I don't update my show notes. Exactly. Two weeks. <laughs> All right, everyone. Less. See you in a couple of weeks. Like Latopia? Then click the like button to share us with your friends on Facebook. It's what friends are for.